Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. A note about the sermon. Pastor John, he was scheduled to preach this morning, but was uh, taken sick over the weekend, and so the sermon is not Psalm 128, Blessed is everyone from Zion, but rather Isaiah chapter 62, our Old Testament lesson, under the theme, In the Eye of the Beholder. So here, especially Isaiah 62, verse 3, shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. And this is our text. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, dear friends, it's often said, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And that can either be a good thing or a bad thing depending on who's the one doing the beholding. For the people of Israel, under the rule of kings David and Solomon, life was great. Never was the kingdom larger or stronger. David's Jerusalem and Solomon's temple were their splendor and the envy of all the nations that surrounded them. They were feared or at the very least respected by those nations. And they dwelt in relative peace and security. People came from all over the known world just to hear Solomon's wisdom. Israel was really something special. The words of Isaiah 62 would have been a fitting description of God's chosen people during their reigns. A crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. But Isaiah 62 is not the days of David and Solomon. After fast forward a couple hundred years, for the people of Israel at the time of our text, life wasn't so good. The nation had been torn apart by civil war. And the kings who came after David, and even Solomon himself in his later years, were by and large unfaithful, practicing all sorts of idolatry and debauchery, the influence of the pagan nations around and within them rearing its ugly head. And as the head goes, so goes the body. The prophets, like Isaiah, had been warning God's people continuously that their persistent rebellion and sin would bring about their destruction. They were being constantly bombarded by the threat of war. To forsake the Lord, turn to idols, and forge allegiances with their enemies would be to forfeit their promised land. And also the Lord's gracious presence and protection among them. Exile would surely be the result. The land would be laid waste, Jerusalem, the temple destroyed, and God's people led away to dwell in another country utterly humiliated. And this must have come as a real shock 
to a nation who remembered what it was like to be so glorious as in the days of David and of Solomon's younger years. They felt the world's hatred and spite deeply. It was a wound to their identity and pride that seemed impossible to heal. The fall of Jerusalem and their exile in Babylon would leave them feeling shameful, ugly, and unloved. You see, when the eyes of a cruel and unforgiving pagan world are doing the beholding, it's not a good thing at all. But this word of judgment, devastation and pain, was not the only word that the Lord had for his people. It wasn't the only word that Isaiah and his fellow prophets were given to proclaim. Judgment and punishment, these are God's alien work. A reality that is strange and undesirable to him, though necessary. God's judgment always serves as mercy. His retribution is to bring people to repentance and restoration. That's the vision being cast by Isaiah in chapter 62. He will not remain silent forever. Indeed, he can't. He will not stand idly by and allow his beloved to suffer the wrath and scorn of the nations any more than needed. The time will surely come when Israel's promised and long-awaited Savior would come to redeem them and bring them back to their land. No longer would they be a byword among the nations. No longer would they bear shame and contempt. No longer would they feel ugly and unloved. For the Lord's eyes are the ones doing the beholding. And that's a very good thing. Isaiah makes very clear that the Lord is doing something far greater in the lives of his chosen people. He assures them, the Lord delights in you. He will give you a new name. No longer will you be termed desolate and forsaken. You'll have a whole new identity. In much the same way that a bride takes the name of her husband following their marriage. Indeed, you will have the Lord's name as your very own. And just as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. You are precious and loved and beautiful in his sight. And that is all that really matters. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And when the beholder is the God who made you, well, then you are truly beautiful. We don't always see that, though. We poor sinners 
tend to be our own worst critics. We see every bump and bruise, every flaw and blemish, every wrinkle and every sin. If beauty is in the eye of the beholder, when we behold ourselves, we too often see only one who is ugly, unlovable, unforgivable. My family recently took on a remodeling project in our lower level. We walled off the back half of the family room to make an extra bedroom and a closet. Now normally, completing a project like that successfully all by yourself would uh, be considered an accomplishment, something to be awfully proud of. But I joked that I really wouldn't be able to get much satisfaction out of it. I'd never really be able to enjoy it, because I know where all the mistakes are. I can see all of the bad spots. I know where the ugly is. In fact, sometimes it's really the only thing I can see. Even though most people would probably never even notice. And that's the way that it is when we look at ourselves and reflect over our lives. We know ourselves better than anyone else. And we know where all the bad spots are. We know the wrongs we've done. We know the people we've hurt. And we know the wrongs that have been done to us and the people who have hurt us. We feel every ache, every pain, especially the ones nobody else knows about, and the ones that we try so desperately to cover up by. And we suffer the taunts and the ridicule of a cruel and unforgiving pagan world accusing us, and you call yourself a Christian. Well, if that's what it's like to be a Christian, then I don't want anything to do with it. You may even be perhaps facing terminal illness, living your very own last days, reflecting over a life that was once happy and fulfilling, but now filled with sorrow and regret. Thinking to yourself, just look at what I have become. I'm wondering, what if it's not just the cruel and unforgiving pagan world saying those things? What if it's God? Remember the words of Isaiah, because they apply just as much to you. You shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. As the bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. The Lord did not keep silent. He did not sit idly by and watch his creation suffer. Israel's promise 
and long-awaited Savior did come, and he has indeed redeemed his people. His name is Jesus. And he has come for you as well. He is the very Son of God, made flesh for you, and has taken on himself all the sin, all the shame that you and I bear. He, who was the most beautiful of all, a lamb without blemish or defect, subjected himself to the curse of God on the cross, became scarred and ugly under the burden of our sin so that we could be set free from it forevermore. His beauty is now yours. When the Lord beholds you, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus because he's given you a new name in your baptism. Having, having washed you clean of all of your sins and clothed you with the robe of his own righteousness. He has joined you inseparably with the death and resurrection of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, your life, and your salvation. That's who you are. It's whom the Lord has made you. The Lord delights in you, for you are his bride, the church. Even when you can't see it yourself, it's all the Lord does see. And that's all that really matters. You are forgiven and beautiful and loved in his sight. True. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And when the Lord's eyes are doing the beholding, that's a very good thing. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.